This week on The Native Immigrants, in the second half of the show, we're joined by the quiz master extraordinaire, Bobby Siegel. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. Are you struggling? I am. It's so hot. It's fairly warm, yeah? It's so hot. We decided to record the show um, in the evening. Yep. You know, thinking that it would get cooler. Mm. No, it's currently 31 degrees in our flat. Yes, it is. In our living room. Um, so, yeah, it's really <laughs> hot and my brain doesn't really function this is in the, the heat. This is the most subdued I've heard you since the last few days of the heat. Because all I've heard is whinging and moaning and complaining. I haven't really, loud... Oh, oh today... my God, you must be out of your mind. Try living with you. Try being the other person in your relationship and, and see how it feels. Because you know what? I, I'm a summer boy. I'm a summer baby. I'm, I'm a born summer in... baby. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I was you're born at summer... the end of June. Well, that's, I want to check your birth records and, and find out whether that's true or not. Because um, you are very much a winter baby. No, uh, with what the way I am you are. is I'm very much a Geordie. And Geordie summers do not involve, you know, it being 31 degrees inside your home. Mm. That's not right. Not at 10 o'clock at night. Last night at like midnight, it was 30 degrees. And that is taking the fucking piss. And tonight is going to be like that. And it's just horrendous. And then you have these weird heat-induced dreams, mm. which are crazy. I don't have those particularly. Did I tell but... you what mine was the other day? What was it? <laughs> today, Jody. Today. So I dream cheated with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Pick up yourself lofty ambitions yeah and that was after because that was because um an old flame of mine originally in the dream had said to me i think you should leave him Ash, and come back to me and what? i was like what <laughs> i don't think so I and i was like no how could, you, how could you how could you possibly ever say this to me um and i would never leave my husband and then because i was so upset i was sitting in a ca- in a cafe and <laughs> along comes Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and and As then Thor. Yeah, well, no, he just does himself being beautiful. Right. Him in um, extraction, that kind of look. Okay. And and then he comes over and he's like, are you okay? You look really upset. And I'm like, yeah. And then we start chatting and then he like takes me home. And I don't even think twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think twice about that because he is number one. Number one with a bullet at the top of my allowed list. Mm-hmm. And as I've said to friends before, when I've had conversations about my allowed list, every other person on this list, I would be like, oh, but what about him? But... Oh, I'm not supposed to call you Himesh, am I? Well, you've done it like two or three times <laughs> this conversation already. So, what about like, Swami? I can't you know. call you Swami. But what about him? And um, but with Chris Hemsworth, I wouldn't even look back, babe. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Go for it, like, fam. I wouldn't even say bye. I'd just be like, okay, Chris, let's go. Yeah. Jello. Like, yeah, no, fair play. And I'm, that's I'm, what happened in I, the dream. Do you know what? I wouldn't even stand in your way. 
okay? Because like I said, the Jojo B that I've had to deal with in the past like few weeks um, has been, um, yeah, nothing short of a um, tantruming, moaning, crazy. Um, so you want to so, give me to Chris? I mean, like I, I'm, I'm happy to trade you in for Jojo B circa 2013 when you were cool, like chilled, happy-go-lucky, joyful. But that's also when we didn't have summers like this. I mean, so if this you're is global base your warming and life, this is the end of the world. And that's why I don't like it, because I know it's a sign of the end of the world. So. I mean, I don't think this whole global pandemic was a sign of the end of the world. Well, I mean, so that's an additional weather. thing. But right. global warming, pandemic or not, that's going to happen to us. Right. It is happening to us. It, I, I mean, I cannot get over the fact that it was 38 degrees in Siberia, inside the Arctic Circle. Mm. So if that's happening, you know that we're done. Right. So anyway, the dream was really good, yeah, but it was heat-induced madness um, and it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, there's two sides to it for me. I actually enjoy the heat. I can't lie. Um, I'm solar powered and I'm a descendant of the sun god Ra. And so this is like, this is like heaven to me. I'm liking the heat. I'm feeling the heat. I hate the cold, all right? I've banged on about it so many times on our podcast before. I hate the cold. I hate anything that's chilly, anything freeze-worthy. Um, I'm all about the heat, you know? And so I would rather sit in, like, really intense heat like this than sit in the equivalent in cold. I just and don't so, like extreme weather. I don't want it to be too hot. I don't want it to be too cold. I don't want it to rain too much. I just want it to be Britain, which is mild. Right, yeah. Uh, that might make me sound boring. Mild and inoffensive. But, you know, it is what it is. At least in the winter, you can wear, like, nice jumpers. I'm not about that. See, I'm not. But in the summer, I do... I love the heat when I'm on holiday. Not when I'm stuck in a flat where there's no air conditioning and no air. And we're at the very top, so we just get everyone else's rising heat as mm. well. Yeah. That's what I don't enjoy. Yeah. But you just make me sound like really unreasonable. Yeah, because it is every other minute it's a complaint. It's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. This is the point where I turn into my right wing fascist in the go back to where you came from kind of thing. But that's well, even hotter. Direction. So fuck that. Aren't you from Newcastle? Well, I mean, that's not. Ah, but see, that's the, the, that should the be your retort. That should be your retort. Oh, fuck off. I've been given that retort for long, a long, long time. But I mean... India, if we're thinking about the motherland, mm. is even hotter. Mm. And Punjab's running out of water, so no thanks. I'm okay. All about the joy today. Not <laughs> um, Global warming, it's coming to get us. Uh, but yeah, talking about joy, or the other end of the spectrum as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I think on last week's show, I um, you know ribbed on on Jojo B, um, saying that in the last few months in lockdown despite having a pretty bad diet i've found myself losing weight every week um you know at least like a pound here or there um and almost lost a full stone so in the past couple of weeks it will come back to bite me hasn't it you put another on yourself i've put on almost four pounds like what the actual fuck no one cares. I care. That's the thing, you know. You might not have no pride in your appearance, and I can Fuck see that off. by looking at you. I'm a sweaty me, mess right now, and I will agree that I don't look so great at the moment. Rest my but case. whatever, that's no. Look, you just have to love yourself, no matter what your size. Oh my god. I love you. So th okay, so that's what Adele no said. What Adele said that she loves herself no matter what size. Look at her now. She's like half the woman she used to be, literally. 
Well, good for her. But she should so know herself about... whether she was bigger or smaller. It makes no difference. This is a journey that we're all on. It's very hard to do. It is very hard to do. And that's the whole point of the, when I was making, and I was speaking about this last week, about having hyperthyroid and how it's a lot more difficult for me to lose weight because of my metabolism. So I have been losing weight, which has been amazing. Mm. And then obviously this happens. When I say this, it's the combination of both of our birthdays happening within the space of a month and so our diets haven't been amazing in that time period either yeah because i've also gained weight and also that it was your mom's birthday exactly yeah, and so. so um and then my, my mom and dad's birthdays are coming up so basically Fuck. yeah end of june all the way through to the end of august is just a massive fuckery and it is what it is we just have to deal with it mm. and we have to do the best we can we just eat healthily in between yeah. and exercise a bit yep. and just get ourselves through the next few weeks enjoy them guilt-free yeah. it's the guilt that's the hardest bit to get over yeah but guilt-free because then we know for the rest of the time until christmas you know we'll be healthy that that's the plan and then over christmas you'll put on a stone and a half like we do every year and this never used to happen to me. This has happened since I've married Jojo B. And the cheese boards, this and the lovely the Christmas dessert, and the lovely Christmas feast that I put on. And then you wonder, then you wonder why we keep on and piling then, on the pounds. And then the big box of celebrations we eat across those two weeks. For elevenses. Yeah. But yeah, so I've put, I put on a few pounds, which um, I normally I wouldn't give a shit about, but you know, because it's culminated after the end of my massive weight loss. I say massive weight loss. It was only like a few pounds in the first place. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to get myself back on track going forward. Um, but anyway, enough about us. What's been happening this past week? Uh, so we're on currently on a suitable boy watch. Um, yeah, on, we're going to give you our review every week. We've yeah, I didn't, yeah I, I didn't want it to come to this. But because everyone went gung-ho on that first episode and really started vilifying it for you know reasons where we kind of felt was a little bit unmerited um you know we i, I feel like we're here to defend the show no matter well, what you know we didn't really defend it last week last week wasn't good enough it wasn't and and we were first ones to say this yeah. you know um it, it didn't it wasn't up to par basically on the show before that and so for this week we watched it with you know a bit of you know tainted breath tainted T baited baited breath <laughs> Tainted breath. Stinky breath. Oh, well, yeah, probably. I, was probably. I don't know what we ate that day, but it was probably some kind of onion and garlic infused cuisine, uh, which seems to be the uh, regular occurrence here in La Casa Barracuda. Um, but yeah. It's not like such a Gujarati. Such a prejudice against onion and garlic, but then I actually love it when you eat it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm partial to it, but, you know, I've you know been in a Hare Krishna household for a number of years, and so we didn't eat onion and garlic, and I kind of got used to that which is amazing i love that life uh, and now you've just corrupted me um you know i with, mean hardly with you didn't, onion and garlic. didn't cook with it at home but you guys used to get takeaways with it full of it so mm. it's not my fault you were already there we're not, we're not, not really and when, of, all the restaurants we used to go to didn't use onion and garlic Why yeah, we, didn't, we never used to bring it into the house whatever how dare you no. right? with your like no, <laughs> no morals, no, no life. I totally like ruined his life. Mm. Hardly. People that know me, all right, you mans know me from back in the day. And, and look you know how, that he's full of shit. You know what, <laughs> how I am now compared to how I was then, right? Uh, and there's no, there's no beating around the bush. A lot of that is Jojo B influenced. Shush for you, you know, I'm, I'm always about compromising and that's what I had to do with this marriage. Um, you know, with most of my life and the things that were really dear to me. And unfortunately, I've had to let a lot of those things go um, in order to have a successful and happy marriage for the past six years. Um, there's, a, you know, something for all the couples out there, the things you have to do 
to appease um, your other half. You chat so much. Painted breeze. It's unbelievable. So suitable boy. Um, so episode three. Uh, again, a lot of mixed reviews from what I read on social media. I kind of liked the episode though. It started off a bit sort of um, not hammy, but a bit sort of like a little bit over the top, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think there's part of it where the acting are really questionable. I think oh, I believe oh, the word for, is. Oh, one minute, I remember the word we used was hoity toity. Hoity toity. It was yes. very hoity toity for the first half of it. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, hammy last week, hoity toity this week. Yes. I mean, they should they should just like coin the the episodes named after these words because it would sum them up to a T. Um, but then it kind of redeemed itself, I thought, in the second half. I do. I think it redeemed itself with the introduction of Harish. Mm, Harish, yeah. as I just Hare, said. Harish. 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 Some Indian guy from India. <laughs> Harish, right? And then the also because my I think I remembered as I was watching it some of my favorite bits of the book or the bits where they go to the village. Yep. Um, and with Man and I can't remember his name. Other guy. You're the other guy. Rashid. That's it. Yes. I like it when they show the other side of India, you know, the more rural agricultural side. Mm-hmm. Um, just the two contrasts of the different worlds. Yes. Um, so yes, I enjoyed those bits the yeah. most. I think. No, definitely. Um, because it was a yeah, far escape from that kind of city glitzy glamour life that yeah, we saw in the first the few episodes. Is, the acting's better than the Calcutta lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it was um a little bit more real life of mm. India. Um, you know, and it had Vijay Raz pop up in there as well, which yeah. was another real stalwart of Indian cinema. A brilliant actor as well. Like he's just the one of the best character actors I think that, that is in India. And the acting is just so much better in those scenes, mm. not just with him, but with the other characters in those scenes. Yes, than it is with the hoity-doity <laughs> scenes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I think it's maybe just the kind of over-the-topness. Of yeah, it all. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I'm glad they kind of touched on the story of the abusive uncle as well uh, in, within that episode because that almost came out of nowhere for me. But it's, it's another big issue uh, in. Indian society mm. and so I'm glad they really touched on it yeah it's really it's really creepy and yeah. it's really harrowing and I guess if you have been through that situation and you watched it it probably would have been very uncomfortable viewing for you it was uncomfortable for everybody but yeah. especially so for people who've actually survived that kind of abuse um it was it was I mean that, the man was the horrible that character is a horrible character yeah absolutely but it shows that there's at least few more layers to the show rather than the two-dimensional aspect of the first episode and so yeah I think there's a lot more that's going to happen in the coming weeks and so yeah three episodes in it's kind of brought me back into the spirit of getting behind the show again yeah let's see how it all unfolds there's a lot of storytelling to do Mm. yet and it'll be interesting to see what they cut out and what and how it all unfolds. Yeah. Because we're halfway through now, so yes. there's still a lot to go. Tune in next week for more of the same. Sundays at 9pm on BBC One. We should honestly get paid for this shit. Seriously, the amount we endorse this show. I know. Um, right, so lastly on this half, a very sad story that happened very, very recently. Jojo B. Yeah, I just want to do a bit of a trigger warning because we're going to talk about suicide and we're going to talk about um, postnatal depression. So if those are 
issues that do trigger you, I would suggest that you forward on to the second half of the show. Yeah, well, we'll be talking to Bobby Siegel. Yes, University will. Challenge contestant and now superstar of his own making. Yeah, um, but I just wanted to touch on a story that was pretty big last week and I had wanted to mention it last week, but um, as I mentioned, it can be triggering for some people and it was very triggering for me um, and I just wasn't able to to talk about it it put me in a very um dark place in my mind for a few days um but I have dealt with that and I have tried to do my best to kind of deal with my own personal feelings around that because I think this is um a very important issue that we should talk about so last week a lady called Nima Bhakta uh, died by suicide after suffering from postpartum or postnatal depression Mm. Before she died, she wrote about how the South Asian community doesn't understand postnatal depression. Mm. Um, she was worried about how much she'd changed since she'd had her son. Um, and she just didn't feel like she had anyone to talk to. Right. And um, I also read a really shocking statistic that says that suicide accounts for one in five postnatal deaths. And data shows that it's the second most common cause of death in the postnatal period, in the postpartum period. Mm. That is really shocking. And having gone through this myself and having dealt with those feelings and that kind of despair that comes of not knowing who you are anymore. um, For me personally, it was just not thinking that I was good enough to manage um, and that just having constant anxiety that I wasn't doing things right because some things hadn't gone the way that I had planned them to go. Um, And I had set out from the very beginning to not really plan. I hadn't read very many books or anything like that because I felt like that would put me in in a place of trying to do something that may not necessarily be right for my baby. I was aware of that before I went, while I was pregnant, that I wanted to try and be as easygoing as possible. But I had this one definite kind of, that I want to breastfeed and that wasn't happening and I think that put me in a really bad place um and that was for very various reasons um our son had um a breathing problem that we that went undiagnosed for the first two months and that obviously had put some kind of pressure on him while he was trying to breastfeed he wasn't able to breathe and so that's why we were having issues and I but I blamed myself because I thought I just couldn't do it I wasn't good enough at it. And so I just started having all these negative thoughts and I still have them and I still have this problem now. I've always been quite negative towards myself anyway, but this, it just got heightened during this period. My anxiety went through the roof, you know, even up until the beginning of the lockdown period, I was being treated for, well, I started my treatment for severe anxiety and, um, and feeling low is how the, the therapist put it, but it was basically depression. And so I, it's all very fresh for me still that I'm, you know, and my, and our son is going to be two in December. Yeah. So this is that far along. This can hit at any time. And it really hit me towards the end of my first year. So like October, November last year is when I started to really feel like I needed some help because I couldn't cope anymore. But those problems had started at the very, very beginning with his breastfeeding issues. So it took me that long to ask for help. And it wasn't because I didn't have anyone to talk to. I had so many friends checking in on me, 
friends that had become mums um, just before I did and knew how hard it was and thought that they, you know, should keep an eye on me just because they're good friends. My family, my husband, you know, we everyone was here for me and yet this still happened. So this can happen because of lack of support, but it can happen in spite of all the support in the world as well. Yeah, And so... I just think that it's important that you should know that when you feel like you can't manage, yes, ask for help from the people that are near and dear to you, but also please try and get some professional help. Yes. Try and get someone who can get you out of the the train of thought that you're having. So mine was that I would jump from, you know, a, a bit of a problem. I would jump kind of 20 meters to the, yeah, to the kind the of case, the, the yeah. worst case scenario, you know, the absolute worst thing that could happen. And this was only up until I, my therapy finished about two, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and this is what my therapist was telling me then. She goes, you're still doing it, but just not as much. So I'm still a work in progress. And so I feel like, you know, I really, in this day and age, we should be very, very comfortable with talking about peri and postnatal depression because it can happen while you're pregnant as well. I feel like I did suffer while I was pregnant as well. Even mm. a consultant at the hospital told me that he thought I had anxiety issues and I never dealt with them while I was pregnant. Um, and so it can happen at any point during the journey through this. And also let's not forget that men can go through this as well. There's yes. a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of change. There can be a lot of problems and adjustments that you have to make and that men can suffer from this as well. Um, and so please get in touch with your GPs, get in touch with your health visitor, um, and don't be afraid to talk about it, but there's also organizations such as Panda who deal with peri and postnatal depression um, and supporting families through that and also calm yep. for, for, for men, men. Yep. Who, who feel like they want to talk about these things. And there's Mind as well. There's lots of organizations out there that can provide you with support and information but really, honestly, like my, I never went to my GP first. Mm. And when I did go to my GP, um, she was so supportive and had checked in with me every month. I would go and see her and just make sure that I was, you know, doing okay. And she just wanted, and she had no issues with like signing me off from work if she thought I wasn't able to go and, and all of that kind of stuff. So everyone is there for you. Just don't be afraid to ask for that help. We can't have any more Nemas. Yeah, 100%. You know, this, is, this is something that we need to be comfortable with talking to our families. But my, my mom was really uncomfortable. Like all, all our parents were really uncomfortable yeah, with exactly. talking to me about how I was feeling about it. And partly because they had a sense of guilt that they thought that they had pressured us into having a child. Yeah. And because I'd had lots of problems through the pregnancy and then, then I was having these problems afterwards. Yes. Um, they felt guilt. And, you know, your mom's already said this to me before. She goes, I feel really guilty that I made you do this. And it wasn't that they didn't make me do anything that I didn't want to do. Hmm. But they feel like they contributed yes. somehow by putting pressure on us. And yes, there was a small amount of pressure. But, you know, our families don't feel comfortable with talking to us about these things. But sometimes you have to make them be. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not getting, if you aren't able to do that and you aren't able to talk to your partner or talk to your friends about it, then you really must go and talk to a health professional. Go and see your GP. It's all done privately. This is not something that you should be ashamed of. Mm. So many women deal with this. Being a mother is one of the hardest things that you can do mm. from being pregnant to actually giving birth to then coping with all of the changes that it brings into your life, which are difficult adjustments to make for many people. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, I was one of those people that found it very hard and still find it very hard to adjust because I feel like I lost my, a sense of myself through this. Um, and this is what Nima said when she, in her writings as well, she didn't know who she was anymore. She didn't, mm. she didn't think she was the person that she used to be and, you know, the best person she could be for her son. And these are all feelings that then make you feel like you're not good enough. Yeah. And this is this is when it's very essential that you have someone there to support you through this so please just get the help that you need ask for help don't be ashamed to ask for help this is nothing to be ashamed of so many women go through this and there are ways out of it it will never be as dark as you think it is when mm. you're in the middle of it the darkness is very real yeah oh, but but for the people from the outside, they can see that it's not that dark and they can help you out of that. You must be, you must, must, must ask for help. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, there are so many helplines out there. Um, speak to your GP first and foremost. Never be afraid to reach out for help. Well, that is it from the first half of the native immigrants. On the second half, we are joined by Bobby Siegel, a former University Challenge contestant, but now superstar in his own making on the BBC. And we're gonna be talking to him after this short break. Welcome back to the second half of The Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And a few weeks ago, we were lucky enough to be joined by James Divine Stoneman, a former University Challenge captain, contestant, yeah. winner as well, talking about his time growing up in Southall and how that was for him and all his life experiences thereafter. So now I feel like we've almost become the podcast of University Challenge contestants. <laughs> You know, getting them on our show to talk about their life. But this time around, we're joined by a very different uh, contestant on University Challenge. Uh, he is uh, a former captain as well, like JDS. Yeah. Um, but he's now an ambassador of mathematics and a TV superstar of his own right. With an amazing partnership with Eric Monkman, another University Challenge contestant and captain. This, this seems to be like a... Like, I don't know, like a hidden kind of crew kind of thing going on the with these guys. Crew. The captain's crew, yeah. <laughs> They've got this kind of like inner circle that, you know, like almost like Freemason style shit. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is, but they... Secret handshakes. Secret handshakes and shit. Yeah, I want to learn yeah. that shit if I'm allowed into that, into that circle. Well, you have to be clever enough and be a captain. How first. fucking dare you, bruv? Man's just, you, man's just clever. No. I always beat you at University Challenge. What are you about? Yeah, but I, I beat you on Only Connect, which is like the, the more difficult like quiz show it's crazy because that's like lateral thinking stuff then i'm usually too tired after watching university challenge exactly so <laughs> I, I you just you peak too late is what it is i mean um but we are thankful to be joined by mr bobby siegel welcome to the show bobby uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Swami and Georgia. Thank you for inviting me to join. Was it the, the captain's crew? The Sounds ca like, you know, the Solid Crew have got a, a rival. The <laughs> yeah, captain's exactly, crew, yeah. captain's got, crew coming to you. 
You've got 21 <laughs> seconds to answer this question. <laughs> Pat, that's too much. Pax will say, Pax will give you about 5, 10 seconds, not 21 that's seconds. True. That's true. <laughs> Two multiplied by Ooh. 10 plus one. Boom, boom. What's the word? Yeah. Romeo Dunn is what the answer is. <laughs> Romeo Dunn, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're showing your East London roots now by knowing the So Sorry crew. Much, much respect to you for that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> right. So, okay, let's talk about University Challenge. So, um, how did you get into quizzing and how did you become captain of a team? So interestingly, I don't think before Universe Challenge, I was much into quizzing. So I know a lot of people uh, like James Devine Stoneman, many captains and contestants. It's like a family thing. They'll sit together from the age of five, six, seven, watch yeah. it with their parents, grandparents. But actually, again, I'm from an Indian, Asian background. In a way, we love learning and reading, but Universe Challenge didn't mean anything to us. And obviously, I was aware of the show, hmm. but actually it was only when I um, applied for my college team I saw like this trials for universe challenge. And of course I knew what it was. And to be honest, like I've always had a good general knowledge because every Saturday, my dad used to take myself and my younger brothers to the library. So after our mom would cook a really delicious Carolyn lunch, uh, maybe like some biryani, yogurt, nice, sambar. Nice, and if we're nice. lucky, we'd have, um, what's the, oh my God, it's eluded me. Okay, I'll just call it a ledu. We'd have a ledu. We wouldn't have that. It'd be something other like Indian sweet. We'd have a ledu. We'd Generic call it a ledu. Indian sweet. Yeah. yeah, I know. It was paisam. It was paisam, that's where. Have you heard paisam? of paisam before? No, paisam is like that? a, oh, it's like a white, it's almost like a custody. God, all these, the, the people who are South Indian would be saying, Bob, he's getting the, it all wrong. It's he's made of ground rice, I think, and coconut. Yeah, something. It's, oh, what is it? It's got, it's delicious anyway. It's called paisam. We'd, we'd have that. And then we'd go off to the library. East Ham Library every Saturday afternoon and we just sit there reading books for hours on the floor like Aztec Civilization, Victorian Engineering, awesome. Roald Dahl Fiction and again I never, well, again my family we weren't really pub quiz goers or anything so quizzing itself wasn't an interest but I definitely accumulated a great deal of knowledge by reading in the library uh, with my uh, brothers at East Ham. Yeah well I was about to say like East Ham usually around that time and stuff it was more like you know getting into like MCing or kind of battling and those kind of things. So you guys went at the other end of the spectrum, like really articulately intellectuals instead. Yeah, this is unusual. In my, in my family, like our dad's always encouraged us to be open to many things. So whilst we would have been academic and scholarly, you know, the traditional good Asian uh, boys in the family, although yeah. none of us became a doctor. So my parents always, my mom always says, all of you are clever, but all of you are stupid. Because <laughs> the reason she has that because none of us did chemistry. Like she was like, you know, like Asian parents are like boasting about their the kids. Oh, my son did this. My son did med, and none of us did medicine. So my mom's like, she's proud of all four of us. We all studied hard, went to Oxbridge, did all the traditional good things, but none of us did medicine. So mom's always like, that's the one shame, you know. The shame one one doctor in the family. The one my doctor would have been so happy if we had managed. If me or my brother had managed, managed to get managed like to an A level between you. <laughs> <laughs> we both went to good unis, but. Yeah, we didn't really, he didn't really do as well as they hoped. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And, and here's Bobby, who's a disappointment in his own family for being, you know, a mathematical genius. Um, yeah, and uh, kept, needed to be a chemist. That's what I wanted. You know, healing powers, respect. I think it's just it's it is an Asian cultures. Maths is sort of respected, but I think medicine is still like top trumps. Like, you know, yeah, any true. family gathering, wedding, like my son's a doctor, my daughter's a doctor. Like, yeah, you, you are the top trumps. <laughs> being everyone. <laughs> you're, you're top at top of the pile on the Rishta lists when it comes to setting yourself up with uh, all the uh, bachelorettes within your community as well oh, at the same my time mom's hassling me big time Uh-oh. Oh, like, she was like, you know how she does this she was messaging I'm looking at my phone now whatsapp 
So what she does is um, she'll just say, uh, let me look at it. Let me look at it. Good morning, Bobby. How are you? And then she'll pause, dot, dot, dot. Are you okay? And when she's asking these questions, how are you? All she does means is, Bobby, are you on Indian dating website? That's what she's <laughs> And then she'll look at me. Honestly, this is, I'll tell you the look. So I'm in Georgia. She'll sit at me with me, um, make me a nice cup of tea, biscuits. And I'm like, she, then she'll pause and just be silent. And then when wow. that pause comes, like, okay, mom, I'm busy. I'm leaving. She's like, no, 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 stay there, stay there. And she would try and get a conversation. Why am I single? Why am I not meeting people? But my mom's just, yeah, she's put on earth to do one thing, to get me married. Nothing else. <laughs> That's what all mothers put on earth for. God. Yeah, literally. What other, what other use of <laughs> is there? <laughs> I'm speaking as a mom, but I won't, I'm the next generation of moms who will never do that. Well, but that I, generation just love it. They want to get, they want to set their kids up. They want to have grandkids. It's not enough once you're married. They will then put on the pressure to have children as well. They want grandkids. That's, that's the end game here, getting you married. Can I just say, though, if, if like Bobby, who's gone to both Oxford and Cambridge and is like a university challenge contestant and is a TV superstar, if he is single currently right now with all the ways that the people lead up with these rich star things, then what hope are the lafungi in our community, basically? <laughs> the thing is, Bobby's too busy being a celebrity. That's true. That's very, very That's true. That's the thing. Yeah. Too busy for all this marriage malaki, isn't it? Yeah. But I also think being an academic... In your mind, you create like a obviously relationships are you know real people ups and downs. You got to f- come with compromises. And in my mind, because I've I, I think I'm too academic. And academics they come up with idealized versions of romance, love. So for me, yeah, like yeah. things I've read in fiction books and Jane Austen or Platonic, you know, Plato, how he talks about love describes that. So I've got this like wacky idea that you know you're floating on a cloud and you're happy all the time. Like no, no, that's not real life. So maybe I need to just get my head out of the clouds you haven't and, watched you know, any indian films recently have yeah you? about to say yeah that, that would be mostly be like you know dancing in the rain with your partner <laughs> or like, in you know that's, that's, that's what i'm waiting for. somewhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so like look, since university challenge um you've embarked on this great tv career and what is an uh, an amazing partnership with eric monkman who was a rival of yours, a rival contestant on the show so how did this bromance develop between you two yeah, so I'll describe the two of us. So um, I'm a short-ish British Indian guy. Um, for, you know, I, although in the real world, I'm not cool. But for University Challenge, I was considered quite cool. Uh, <laughs> and Eric Monkman is a much taller Canadian bespectacle guy. Yeah. And in our series, we attracted different crowds. Eric was probably, I think, one of the top ever, ever, ever contestants. I would say I'm biased. Intellectually, yeah, absolutely. But he's also yeah. a great... He's just one of the most memorable, isn't he? Yeah, personality and character-wise and the way he used yeah. to answer questions, he immediately became like a icon kind of thing. Yeah. He did. He had like huge fan clubs. And even now, sometimes... Oh, this is the worst. I've been on dates before where the date starts and they're like, How, you know, we're enjoying starters. And then if the date's not going so well, they'll ask me, can I get Eric's number? I'm like, wow. What? What? This happened. Wow. It happened two or three times early on. After, now it doesn't happen so now I'm sort of like I'm a man of my own way but early on a few dates would try to use me to get dates wow. to go do you know what it's, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm imagining I used to watch IT crowds and remember when Moss was on, on Countdown in that one episode yeah. and then there's this world where they live in where all the Countdown winners have this kind of hedonistic kind of groupy world where like there's like women who <laughs> fawn after Countdown winners I'm not going to ask whether that's the same for University Challenge contestants obviously but there must be a certain fan base of ladies that must love really intellectual men like yourselves. I'll, I'll tell you the way it works. It tends to be, you know, the, I often get approached by mothers 
asking for their daughters. These are like very middle class, Radio wow. 4, Radio 4, BBC Big 2 up. mothers. They're probably in their like late 40s, 50s, and they've got younger daughters. And they were like, yes, my daughter, she's, um, <laughs> she's going to do dentistry. Uh, you will be a good man. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Line them up, boy. Line them up. Line them up. <laughs> <laughs> so, with Mr. Bunkman, yeah. Yes. So in our series, and again, so Eric was, yeah, um, a top personality. And I think in Universe Challenge every year, there's normally a couple of people that stand out, uh, a couple of teams. Of but for some reason in our season, we built up like colossal individual fan bases, as it were, if one can build up fan bases on Universe Challenge. And then as the rounds progress, people are like, oh my God, what if they two meet each other? And then before we met each other, actually, it wasn't even the final, it was the semi-final. We had people like Stephen Fry, Louis Through saying, oh, are you Monkman? Are you Seagull? And no the, the day of our match is actually the most watched match of Universe Challenge in the 20th century, 21st century. I think in the 20th century, audiences were bigger, but mm. in this century. And then um, again, I remember the day of the match, ha- the top trending things on Twitter were hashtag Universe Challenge, then hashtag Monkmania, then hashtag Monkman. <laughs> he was, everyone's obsessed with him. Then hashtag Seagull, then hashtag Monkman versus Seagull. And then after our match, um, the one show called us up and said, can you guys come over? We've got Riz Ahmed. We'd love you to do a quiz against Riz Ahmed about Riz Ahmed. No um, way. Yeah, no we way. beat him. We revised. We were really? on Wikipedia, Google, <laughs> on the plane down to Cambridge, London. <laughs> you beat Riz Ahmed in a quiz and about you know Riz Ahmed. You know about- this, wow. this is the coolest thing, though, Swami. This is the coolest thing. I asked Riz Ahmed if there's ever, in like 20 years' time, a biopic about me, Riz Ahmed will st- as agree to star as Bobby Seagull. I'm not he even... Okay, I'm I not even... This is the thing. I'm, I'm not even joking. When the first time I saw Bobby on University Challenge, like his mannerisms and the way he talks and everything, there was something very Riz about him that reminded me of Riz. Like mm. just, 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 just his, his demeanor and kind of his like, yeah, I, there's something absolutely there. And so... If perfect the, casting. Perfect casting, absolutely. Yeah, I've cut, I've cut the commission out of the middlemen now. I've gone straight <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, so this, this partnership now is obviously developing and you've got um, TV show together, obviously. Um, is, there, is there anything else in the pipeline between yeah. the two of you? So, so I'm trying to think of so the timeline. So initially, first thing was, so we had lots of like the, the TV interviews straight after the show. Then we had a quiz book together, imaginatively called the Monkman and Seagull quiz book. <laughs> we did a Radio <laughs> 4 show. Uh, where we like investigated, is it possible to be like an expert in more than one field? And Stephen Fry was amazing. And he agreed to be one of our guests, which is pretty cool for our first ever radio show. And then we had two road trip series on BBC Two. Yep. Um, and the third one, I suspect it should have been filmed in June, July this year. But obviously we've had lockdown. Yeah, of course. So we sort of postponed things by year. Um, so hopefully, I'm, 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 again, you can never say with the TV industry, because, you know, my uh, sort of early experiences sometimes you can be like the, the darling of the industry and within a couple of years they're bored of you but my general feeling is with the bbc they like eric and i because we make knowledge we're still geeks yeah i'm not gonna pretend we're not geeks but we make <laughs> knowledge sort of <laughs> appear cool and trendy and fashionable ish ish so i think we put i'd like to i can imagine us being there for five ten years doing lots of road trips and to be honest we've had discussions where india could be a, again subject to corona lockdown etc eventually yeah. clearing up there could be a monkman and seagull trip to india that would no be amazing. way ah, that would be amazing. amazing just to see monkman in india i, I think oh my is, god is worth the money alone basically <laughs> um oh my god so like as far as university you studied at oxford and cambridge universities and attended eaton sixth form now 
As a South Asian lad from East London, what was that experience like for you at both of these massive universities? Um, and did you encounter any issues being a minority there? So it's a good question. So I would say in terms of being a minority, the, the question is probably more relevant for Eton compared to Oxford and Cambridge. It's actually at Oxford and Cambridge, there is, again, it's a minority, but there are Asians, mm, Indians, yeah. Pakistanis, uh, Bangladeshis, Sri Lankans. There are people of those backgrounds. Whereas Eton, when I went, um, was less racially diverse. I remember I joined a boarding house and I was the only non-white up middle class boy. And my friends were convinced I was related to Gandhi. Wow. Like, I'm like, I'm not. They're like, but you look like him. Like, no, honestly, what? I don't look like him. They, they were 13. They were 13. So they're, 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 some of them are my best friends now and they're going to get like embarrassed for me calling them out. But I think just they hadn't encountered people from different backgrounds. But mm. I think... I think if you, as an adult, if you go into these places and you, you try and spot things and you apply like sociological understandings of why is this and imperialism and they're trying to subjugate you. But actually, if you go as a child or a young person and you're just looking for a great experience and again, we're at Eton, you, I love football, I loved ice cream, I love talking about uh, terrible pop music, maybe even um, so solid crew. If you've got those things, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the boys just react to that. They don't see you as, oh, I mean, obviously, they see the color, but they, they look for your interests. And again, if you've got interests in common, then actually the, the cultural background doesn't make as much of a difference in terms of interaction. Um, we read a quote from you saying that you want to be the Jamie Oliver of maths and you want to kind of make maths more accessible. But what makes you so passionate about changing the nation's attitudes towards maths? A good question, George. And actually, I've changed that. I think a couple of years ago, I said Jamie Oliver, but he had a couple of businesses that went bust. <laughs> yeah, I changed say, to yeah. Joe Wicks. The Joe <laughs> Wicks of maths. Like. Joe Wicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Jamie Oliver needs to be like the Bobby Siegel of food. Exactly. <laughs> so we need to get Things, to eventually. Joe Wicks now follows me on Insta. No I'm way. I'm trying to like, at some stage, because it, like, again, Joe Wicks does his workouts, gets millions of views. But imagine if Joe Wicks had a little segment at the end where he did some quest maths questions and mm. how he would like be able to reach young people in a way in which, again, at the moment, I can't, I'd love to, but again, he gets, he has a, such a captive audience of, of parents who are doing workouts with their kids. So I think for me, the reason why I'm so passionate about numbers is that being good at numbers at primary school, secondary school, gave me the confidence to think, oh, I can do numbers and maths. It means that I can do science. Or maybe it means, it means I, can, I can do driving. I can do cooking. I think it just, because it's seen as traditionally one of the most difficult subjects. Mm -hmm. And if you can master that, not necessarily master it, but overcome your fears of it, I think it means that you think in other parts of my life, when I encounter difficulty, challenges, I can give it a go. Because I know when I was 16, I didn't like trigonometry, but I could somehow get through it. So it's almost like it's a statement to yourself. So I would love everyone to have an experience where they could go through school, even you know, even if they leave school, they're adults, where they look at numbers, they're not afraid because too many people, children, adults, they look at numbers and they're like, their mind turns into a fuddle. They're like, oh God, numbers. Whereas mm. with words or writing, they don't have the same fear. So I think it's something that we, we build up in ourselves and society. It's not, we're not born with a maths brain. It's like, how old are your kids, by the way, Swami and George, if I could ask? Oh, he's only a year and a half. So he's yeah, got a, a long way to okay. go. A long way, long way for numbers. But so when you went to the hospital, uh, when, they, when well, he is a he, you said. Is yeah? a he, yes. When he was born, um, there would have been a nurse probably with a clipboard checking all the vitals. Like, yeah, there's two legs, two arms, <laughs> two feet. But they never would have had a box eggs maths brain. They'll say, uh, Jojo Swami, your son, we're not sure about his maths brain. That, you know, that, that, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. exist. It doesn't exist. 
I'm not sure. Is everything's the number two at the moment. Everything's two. <laughs> yeah, everything is two. We're trying to get him two. to develop. He doesn't even know one or three, four, five. It's that's two. Starting in, prime, starting in the first prime number. That's why he's two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, two. What, that's what we we'll keep telling ourselves. <laughs> but I think it's about change. I think it's all about trying to change attitudes to maths. Yeah. Like, again, if the reason I used to mention Jamie Oliver is before Jamie Oliver got involved with school meals, um, school meals were traditionally quite stodgy, donuts, always fish and chips, sausages, unhealthy sort of fast food. But again, he can't, he didn't transform it completely, but he went on an agenda where he tried to get schools to serve, you know, five fruit um, and veg as part of your meals, drinking water and sort of fizzy drinks. Um, and just encouraging a more healthy attitude towards eating. Where now, if you go to most schools, again, I teach in part-time in a secondary school, our meals are on the whole reasonably balanced. And mm-hmm. he played a part in changing that culture. So again, people still eat junk, people are still obese, but he's helping to transform it bit by bit. And again, I'd love to do something similar with maths. And again, I'm not going to make everyone in Britain in 20 years love maths, but if I can make people hate maths a little bit less, so that means that they can go about doing their bank statements or again, planning a health and fitness routine that involves numbers and, you know, regimes with like, you know, 10 press-ups, 12 press-ups, 14. Numbers are everywhere. If I can just make people hate it a little bit less, then I feel like I'm doing my job. This is a, a show that you should pitch. This yeah, completely. Great. It would be great on TV. Oh, I've actually got a pitch for this. Or... Okay. Exclusive. 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 There's the klaxon. I'll add that in. I'll talk to the klaxon. I got it. Exclusive. Okay. So, so have you watched a scene on Comic Relief about maybe 10 years back where James Corden had, was like a, it was like slightly comic. He was like a manager with the Yeah, football, football manager. Yeah, football yeah. manager with Beckham yeah. and everyone basically uh, within yeah. in the, the training grounds and stuff. Exactly. And again, it was slightly comical and it wasn't serious, but he got people thinking about like motivation and ideas. And I'd love to do something equivalent for math. So imagine getting like Stormzy, uh, Prince William, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of famous people, uh, Fern Cotton, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe like, I don't know, someone from Strictly, uh, Ultima Mabuse, getting them in a, in a room and, and I'm doing less at a maths lesson. And again, I'm sure part of it will be scripted, part of it will be comical about maths. But yeah. on the back of that, you can get people to engage with maths. And I've always thought, yeah. like, imagine doing interviews where we get Ultima Mabuse or Danny Dye from Love Island talking to, it could be me, it could be anyone, talking to someone about their maths experiences. Like Danny Dyer from Love Island, who won it a couple of years ago, saying, oh, Bobby, you know, I hated maths at school. But now I realize, actually, if I'm looking at my Instagram following and trying to work out why my rate per post, you know, numbers are so important. Or Ultima Mabuse and strictly saying, actually, Bobby, you know, when I do my dancing and I'm counting to a rhythm, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, I'm using numbers to make sure I'm in time. So getting these people that young people really look up to and getting them to talk about their maths and numbers experience. How powerful would that be? That sounds brilliant. Yeah, that sounds sounds amazing. Can I also say that I think you would be... So when I was growing up, my dad every year made us watch the Christmas lectures. And so I still have the habit of of watching them wherever they are because they're always changing channels but i think you will be perfect for doing the christmas lectures on you i think it would be yeah great. we just we watched your ted talk uh, earlier on today and it just it just everything that encompassed it really just stood out with with what christmas lectures is all about yeah and so you'd be perfect for it oh you guys you've got one that's one of my like i've got i've got bucket list items in my head some of which i may or may not reveal throughout the course of i mean I, to be honest, <laughs> I, actually i do think there's an element of especially the media i didn't again in my family we've been taught like to you need to you should, you, i think you should talk be proud about what you achieved but i think yeah. it's about 
not rubbing it in it's weird it's a weird way because you, you want to be proud but you don't want to rub it in people's faces i think the way i see it is never diminish other people's achievements like i'm always proud to say ah oh, i've done x y and z but then you don't try and belittle other people because again no, it's, 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 a, it's a fine balance but i think with the media i found like people are successful are the ones that talk their dreams into existence so imagine i've got an ambition of um, I remember talking, um, I'm trying to think of stuff like, for example, I, 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 I'm openly admitted, I'd love to go on Strictly. And then people think, oh, Bobby, you, that's never going to happen. Uh, I said this about three years ago. Because I, but then slowly over time, I've talked about it. And eventually, Oti Mabuse got in touch with me and said, Bobby, we'd love you to teach for an online school. And now I'm friends with OT. And again, a really strange, surreal thing. You know, uh, uh, if you've watched Strictly, Katia Jones won Strictly a couple of years yep. ago. Yep, and yep, yesterday yep. she added me on Facebook as a friend. I'm like, wow, that's surreal. People that I, I love on a, on a show are now becoming my friends is the wrong word, but like professional acquaintances. Uh, colleagues. So I think yeah. if you talk things, again, Christmas lecture, I'd love to do it. And again, I don't know if it'll happen in the next two, three, four years. But if I talk about it publicly saying why I want to do it, what, you know, what, what, what I would do with that platform, I think people start listening. Oh, Bobby said he would like to do Christmas lectures. We should have a look. Oh, Bobby said he'd like to do strictly. So I think if you say things, you can make your dreams come into action. Also, it makes you accountable. Because if you say, I, again, this summer, I'm writing a kid's book. Um, I haven't got a contract for it yet. But by me saying it, putting it out there, it forces me to write it and it forced me eventually to go to my publisher and go, oh, look, here's uh, my chapter synopsis for my kid's book. So I think saying things, speaking into action, one forces you to be accountable to others, but also then makes others think, oh, actually, maybe Bobby could write that kid's book or maybe Bobby could host a Christmas lecture. I'm going to win the Euro Millions next week. <laughs> we are going to get um, a radio show. I'm going to have my own yeah. desert island that I can have to my own without anyone else there apart from myself having the time of my life. <laughs> We're speaking of existence, Swami. In a year's put, time. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just put it out there. Put it out into the universe. Put it out into the universe. I love, see how ambitions. I'm going to run like, away with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, I'm talking about like Euro <laughs> millions of islands. You're like, I want our own radio show. Bro, we can do that tomorrow. But like, you know, let's just put it Yuri, you have one. You've got a podcast. Got exactly. A podcast. Seriously. No the one pays is... us for this. I want to get paid to do this. <laughs> I want to get paid to do nothing, fam. That's, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so you mentioned just now about football um, and you're a West Ham fan. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say anything about West Ham. You know, was it West Ham? Was it a, a one place above relegation, wasn't it? This, uh, two, two above. Come two, give us two above it. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... The, the subject of Asians in football. Now, there's, I know there's a number of Asian leagues in East London, somewhere close to where you are, basically, in Newham as well. Um, and we're still waiting for more representation in the national game uh, for players from a South Asian heritage. How long do you feel before we see more Asian players in the Premiership and the league football itself? <sighs> This is a, it's a, it's a great it's a great question because if you look at British society, Asians you know we've integrated we're doing well in many different you know professions but you know media, um, management, business, but sport I mean cricket fine but sport yeah. and football I think I think the problem is it's our parents' generation they never saw sport as a credible career. Mm. Um, part of it is because one, there are no role models out there. It's also a chicken and egg. If they've seen, if you can see lots of, again, like uh, black British boys, if they, because they've seen lots of black British boys going to play for Premier League clubs and ending up at England, etc. They see, oh, there are people like me out there. Whereas with Asians, if you're a young boy who's Bangladeshi or, you know, Indian or Sri Lankan, 
you see maybe some people who look like you are badminton players or people that play cricket but not football. So I think it's a case of because there aren't role models out there, people don't see it as a as a career. Because imagine like someone tells their mom or dad, you know, the Asian background, I want to be an England footballer. You know, parents mm-hmm. will probably laugh it off. Whereas if a boy from a young black background or a white working class background says that, people are like, oh, actually, go for training. So I think it's trying to give our kids the idea that actually you can do anything you want. Your your color or background is not a restriction. Again, if you want to be a pop star, you want to be an author, you want to be prime minister. So again, for example, like, um, again, I'm not going to talk about politics in particular, but I, uh, if we look at Rishi Sunak or Priti Patel, I'm not, even Priti Patel, I don't really agree with her politics. Uh, I think some of the things that she's doing is, I would say, I can say put it on record, it's a bit ghastly, but it's great that she's out there in, in a front bench position because if you're a young Indian girl or Asian girl, you see someone like Pretty Patel out there and you go, actually, look, I could become a politician. I could be home secretary. So I think it's getting role models out there in sport, football in particular, there aren't. And again, there's, I think yeah. it's Hamza Chowdhury. He's yeah, half exactly, Asian. Yeah, for Leicester. Yeah. But we need more of them. But I think Asian parents are starting to see sport as a potential career more like, ah, oh, they're letting their boys. I think it's first thing is giving our kids a chance to play sport, taking them playing football on a Saturday for their local clubs. And I think, again, yeah. when I was growing up, I used to love football till about the age, I mean, playing, I've always loved playing football, but till 11, I used to play a lot of sport. And then when I was 11 and got to secondary, actually the attention became, actually, I shouldn't be playing football after school every day. I should be studying. I should be thinking about my academics. Yeah, exactly. So it's about changing that culture where parents are, are, are given the, I don't know, almost like the path to say, actually, our kids can be footballers but I think we need to for that to happen we have to see British Asians breaking through to the Premier League on a more regular basis until that happens it is I think it's like the chicken and egg situation yeah. after we see it parents won't feel comfortable letting their kids spend hours and hours playing football with a boy or a girl and I think that also goes for the arts as well a lot of the time I think that's a, my parents did the same thing with me in music when it came to going from primary school to secondary school. I did a lot of music in, in primary school and then secondary school, they were like, no, nope, that's done. You're going to concentrate on your studies. So I mm. think it's the same with, with the arts as well. And I know we do see a lot of Asians in music, but in other parts of the arts, I think it can be a bit difficult. So I think we've kind of got to be more open-minded with our parenting as we all go forward. Yeah. Um, we're currently still in South Asian Heritage Month where you've been quite you know, heavily involved. Mm-hmm. Um, your background is Kerelin. So how important was it to you to represent your, your culture and your, uh, your Malayali background? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's something that's changed over time. So when I was young, um, I wouldn't say I was, I wasn't consciously aware. I knew I was a Malayali from Kerala, you know, my, my parents' language, culture, food, etc. It's. I think when I went to university, I became more aware of it um, because then you meet people from around the world and they would say, where are you from? And I would say, I'm from East London. And they'd say, oh, and then they'd ask the next question. You know, so I've seen a couple of comedy sketches about this. And when they say, where are you from? And I'll say, oh, I'm from Newham. Like, where are and, and, and they'd say, oh, so where originally? And what they're trying to get is, why are you brown? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But where are you really from? <laughs> where are you really? Yeah. I think it's because of this Bobby Seagull, it confused them even more. They're like, why are you Bobby? You know, should it, is it Bupinda? Is that your name? Like, <laughs> so they always start like, yeah. Well, eventually they got, we get to the fact that ah, my parents are from Kerala. And in fact, now when I meet people, when they ask me, where are you from? I always say, I'm from East London, but my parents moved from Kerala to Britain in the late 70s. And I was like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I don't know, is that too 
preemptive of me, but I think it just means that I can have a conversation about my dual identity being British exactly. and Asian. Yeah. So Bobby Seagull is is not the most common of Malayali names um, that I've ever come across. What what's the the background behind it? Yeah. So um, my dad's surname is actually Jose, like the football manager Jose Mourinho, because really? my family are from Kerala, and about Kerala is quite good in terms yeah, of uh, religious diversity. I think about twenty percent of the state is. Um, Catholic Christian, twenty yes, percent yes. is uh, Muslim, and about forty to fifty percent uh, is Hindu. Within then, then few percent either for different religions. Um, so by right, my so the, I think the Portuguese came to Kerala in the sixteen hundreds. There's always been a Catholic Christian community. So I should be Bobby Jose. In another universe, there is. My dad read a book uh, growing up called Jonathan Livingston Seagull, and it's about a bird who dared to be different because normally seagulls, we know they're annoying. All they do is like steal your bloody chips follow, follow <laughs> and the peck at you. Irritating, <laughs> irritating <laughs> chips. Um, but in the book, Jonathan Livingston realized there's more to life than just searching for fish and flying to get more fish and sleep. He said, actually, these wings, let's actually properly explore flight. Let's go and, uh, you know, fly the skies and find the heavens. And he found actually he became truly liberated by exploring flight. And he tried to teach other seagulls that. So my dad loved the metaphor of of someone learning for themselves, educating themselves, and then trying to educate others. So he gave us the surname Seagull. So it's like a totally made up surname, but it's my surname from day one. So Bobby Seagull, you know, was breathed into oh. existence. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing name. It's, it's, ba- it's, it's like a, it's a proper entertainer's name. As in, if you, I know, if it's you, like, even if you, yeah. whatever walk of life that you would have done in terms of uh, academically, you yeah. would have still led to a path of entertainment because of that name. It's got so much you gravitas to it. You couldn't, like, I remember, like, when I was in primary school, I used to get skipped ahead to the front of the lunch queue because the dinner lady <laughs> would say, what's your name? And they'd take it off, Bobby Se- Seagull. Seagull? Is that your name? Is it really Bobby Seagull? And yeah, go to the front of the queue. They'll let me go to the front of the queue. <laughs> so I've always found it's giving me perks. It's giving me perks. And, and again, on University Challenge, it just meant that people could remember me more easily. Like, oh, yeah, that was that Bobby Seagull guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's had unintended perks in the media industry <laughs> fantastic <laughs> um okay so we're talking about south asian heritage month um and the fact that the after the launch night the very next night there was a quiz um yes. for everyone and a quiz that was devised by yours truly um yes. and it's something that you've been doing basically on your youtube for the past weeks and months um with a range of very diverse topics, including football, which we just spoke about and mentioned. Um, now, we're big quiz people, myself we and Joe. We love a good quiz. Hence, we watch University Challenge. Hence, we know about you guys. Um, but yeah, we're very competitive as well, the two of us. Mm. I could uh, tell. I could tell that during my quiz, you were, I could see your scores. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we, yeah, there was no holds barred when it came to us taking each other on on this quiz. Um, so we decided to partake. Um, and, and there was a lot of like, you know, having to put your arm around your piece of paper because um, Jojo can be a, a cheater at the best of times. Oh, excuse um, me, I have no need to cheat. And um, that's not the first time you said that. Um, and, um, and by the end of this great quiz, our final score frustratingly was 23 all now i don't remember as well it's it's well yeah that's exactly what we thought at the time not um it it was a it was a a, you know after we're coming through what is a a massive like crusade to come at the end of it and then just be told oh actually it's a it's a you know score draw it wasn't even like 
you know, like, oh, there were a couple, they must have like, you know, helped each other out. No, there's none of that. We were massively competitive. Yeah. And some kind of crazy fluky way, we both got the same score. Yeah. I, 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 there, was, there was a couple of like, like questions where I thought I'm, I'm completely going to get right and I got wrong. And the same for Jojo. And there was the, there was the, there was the Nepal question that, that flummoxed both of us. Yeah. That's a good um, question, isn't it? Lumbini, yeah. where was the Buddha born? Yeah, it's, it completely threw us because I was so supremely confident yeah, it was same. India. Um, you know, yeah. and, and I guess that's, that's my, you know, my downfall, I guess, in that instance. <laughs> Do you know what that is? That's us listening to our parents. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Everyone there, Buddha was from India. He was Indian. He was Indian, you know, first <laughs> and foremost. Right? And then it was like, yeah, thanks a lot, dad. Um, <laughs> But um, but we came at the end of it, and I remember we mentioned it on our social media because we were so like demoralized by the end by, by dying <laughs> against each other. But you said on your social media that if it ever arrived, you would give us a tie-break question to mm. determine a winner out of this massive quiz. Yes. Now, we're lucky enough to have you join us on this show today. I feel now is the time to right the wrongs of the past by enabling one sole winner from this quiz. So what we're asking from you, Bobby Siegel, quiz master extraordinaire, give us a tie-break question to see who is the real winner of the South Asian Heritage Month quiz. Ooh, okay, do you both have a pen handy? Ooh. I need a pen and a piece of paper. Ooh, pen and paper. What, do you know what? I've got my, I've got my phone. We're going to use our phone. Phone is fine. Phone we're, is we're, fine. We're, 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 we're too new school for all this pen and paper shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got our phone with us. Um, and, and the thing is, because we're on opposite sides, so she can't see what I'm writing. Yeah. I can't okay. see what she's writing, whereas we were next to each other on the quiz which was probably a cardinal mistake from the offset anyway. But I didn't cheat unless you cheated for me. How dare you? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Unbelievable. But yes, we're here waiting. Bated breath. Okay. Here is the So this thing is, I've done tiebreakers before. And with tiebreakers, if it's a question with a straightforward, like a factual answer, like where was the Buddha born? You know, you could either both get it right or both get it wrong. And we could end up, you know, you know we could be doing tiebreakers for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, so, next week. <laughs> again, this is where numbers come in handy. Oh, We're going to do a question. God. It's a question. It's not a math question. It's due it's to oh, okay, geography, but the answer is a number. And the person oh. who's closest to the actual answer that will win. Oh, so what I want, want you to do is okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 10 seconds thinking time. Once I say what the question is, you have to write down a number on your phone. I'll give you 10 seconds. Okay. And then I'll ask you both to read out your numbers and I'll reveal who wins. Um, okay. At the end. Oh, okay. I'm so the sweating question, here. I'm actually like <laughs> dripping with sweat. Okay. So, just in case anyone ever wants to double check Mr. Seagull's like uh, sources, I'm currently on worldometer.info. So it's worldometers.info, and I'm currently looking at the what population of India. I'm going to click now. So the time. I won't even say the time. I'm going to click pause now. I've got a specific population of India right now. Estimated population of India. I want you both to write down to the nearest person what they think the population of India is right now. I'll give you 20 seconds. You, 20 seconds. And then the person who's closest to it will win the prize. Person? To, to the person? Yeah. Oh or you can just go for a round number. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, because I might, might, might be all day here trying to think, okay, 
mate, this is stressful. Uh, okay. I feel like I've massively overestimated here, but what the heck? The number that's in my head. Okay, I've I've also got a number. But okay, okay. Okay, okay so who wants to? Oh man, this is this is see that, okay first. okay so no, so yeah this is this is the this is the tricky part because you could say Jojo give the answer and she could say you know five hundred thousand I'm just saying and I could say five hundred thousand and one and if it's a little bit more than that then I've won well, so maybe exactly we that's right oh exactly. Oh, okay. So, so we should show each other our screens. At the yeah, but I need, the same yeah, time. You, you can't change your answers. You've got to have an oh, answer yeah. locked down. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Answer is locked. Answer is locked. Okay. Okay, you ready? Ready? Okay. Who's so going to say first? Ladies first. Okay. You can see my screen. You can see my screen. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. I've got 1.625 billion. And I've got 1.4 billion. Okay. Drum roll, please. The winner of the South Asian Heritage Month Native Immigrants Podcast Quiz. Only, I think this person here, let me work out this person's answer. This person's answer was correct to 98.6%. Wow. Wow. It is Swami. The population yes! is 1.38 yes! billion. Big up, big do, do, up do, yourself. Do. Oh my <laughs> God! You are you. I, I'm. A, I'm telling you now, Jojo B. You will never hear the end of this. I'm just no, putting you out I there know now. know that I'm cleverer than Champion. you. Champion. 98.6% accurate. 98. I'm just saying. Okay, so like Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan. Liverpool were champions of the Premier League this season. Yeah. So it's only fitting. What happened to Brentford though? Eh? Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's that's. That, I don't want to talk about that. But Liverpool are champions of the Premiership. Swami Barakas is the champion of the quiz. Thank you so much. Mr. Bobby Siegel, that was amazing. Can we get another question? What? How dare you? <laughs> There's not best of three, fam. One tiebreak question. One chance to get it right. Can I just say, in the first number that came into my head was 1.7 billion. And then I thought, I thought there's no way it could be that. It, it was only a billion only a few years ago. And I know, I know Asians, well, Indians specifically, are great at multiplying. But... Yes. I still thought it can't have it can't have got that far. So yeah, I had 1.2 billion or 1.625 billion, which is a really specific <laughs> number. And I was like, why do I have a, such a specific number in my head? I'm just going to say that. Who's the population of China? Who knows? And who cares? Because I won. Big up. Thank you so much, Mr. Bobby Siegel. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly on cloud line right now. I'm just going to say. I'm never going to hear the end of it. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> um, right. So... Any exciting projects coming up from your end? So one I did mention, I'm, I'm trying to write a kid's book right now. Fantastic. Um, it's like almost like a Tracy Beaker meets Famous Five style adventure book. So I'm, I'm in the midst of writing that. Hopefully Monkman and Seagull 3 will get commissioned soon. Amazing. I've got a few other television projects in the pipeline as well. But those ones I can't reveal yet. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely more of Bobby Seagull on your screens, radios and print <laughs> coming out soon. Fantastic. And where can people find you uh, on, on your social media? Yeah, so the best way is uh, at Bobby underscore Seagull. So Bobby as in Bobby Moore and underscore then Seagull at the bird. So Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, and then also Facebook, I'm facebook.com forward slash Bobby Seagull. Mm. And YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Bobby Seagull 
TV. Annoyingly, someone else has got youtube.com forward slash Bobby Seagull. And he just got one, one thing, one video of like some like Minecraft rubbish. And what annoying. the hell? So I, had to take, I had to take Bobby Seagull TV instead. You, the other Bobby Seagull, you bastard, whoever you are. Not even using the channel either. There's only gonna, one gonna, Bobby Seagull. I was going to swear, Nate. I was going to swear. You could mate, feel free to swear, honestly. Ben showed. If nothing else comes from this interview, wherever it goes out, I'll know that we're probably the only show recorded as of press time to hear Bobby Seagull say Baron That's true. I don't think we've ever sworn in public, ever. Oh my God. Um, you know, we're going to send this through to your family. Um, <laughs> because we like we know a lot of Carolyn community. Mean... Like we've got Fred, Carolyn community in East London. We know people yeah. out there that know yeah. people, and I'm sure you'll find a way <laughs> to get this into your mom's hands. Okay? Oh God, yeah. I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know, and all those wrist does will stop coming to your door afterwards. I know, right? finishing but... will be over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Bobby, for joining us here this week on the Native Immigrants. Um, you know, we're proud of everything that you've accomplished so far. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, from our community, um, you know, we want to see more representation on television for, from members of the South Asian community, um, you know, in a, in a positive light. And I think you're one of those people that's um, out there right now really championing that cause um, and such a massive cause with mathematics as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible the efforts you're making um, and we hope to see more of that going forward in the near future. It's been an absolute pleasure, Swami and Jojo. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you for being flexible time-wise so we eventually got all the stars to line. You know we can make time for you, my boy. All right? Oh, <laughs> well, that is it from this week on the Native Immigrants. We'll be back next week for more of the same. I am Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. Peace.